There are a lot of ways to count and analyze passing in soccer, but there are far fewer ways to analyze the reception of that pass. This despite it being one of the most critical skills in the game. John Muller is here to talk about a few ways that the soccer analytics community counts pass receptions and what it means in the case of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's move to Barcelona. I'm Alex Abnos, and this is Soccer Every Day for Monday, February 7th. First, your TV guide for today. As usual, all times are Eastern. It's a pretty light day. Uh, at 2.45 p.m. in Serie A, we have Salernitana versus Spezia. That's, at, that's on Paramount+. Plus. At 3 p.m., Athletic Bilbao versus Espanyol in La Liga. That's on ESPN+. Plus. And then later tonight, probably the pick uh, of the action in Mexico. Actually, the only game happening uh, on the men's side in, in Liga Mekis is Leon versus Cruz Azul. That's at 10.05 p.m. on Tudene and Unimas. All right, let's send it over to John. All right, it's Monday, which means that we're going to be talking about data and analytics, which means, of course, I have John Muller here with me. John, in the last week, you wrote a really fascinating piece for The Athletic about pass receiving, which is a skill. Everybody that's ever played any kind of soccer knows that it's a skill, but it's not something that is counted or at least counted in an advanced way when it comes to analytics, uh, at least not in a way that is super popular. But you found a couple ways that it is, and I think that it's super fascinating. Can you sort of sum up what made you think of this piece, uh, made made you think of the, this is a thing that you wanted to do, and, and what you found as you were started to look at, into it? Yeah, so I, I think it is super obvious that pass receiving is a skill and an important skill in when we play soccer, or maybe a an important suite of skills, right? There's a lot of sure. skill, different kinds of skill that goes into pass receiving. What I think is super weird about soccer is that we don't tend to think of all those skills that go into pass receiving as being part of the pass. Uh, we kind of break it out, and it's like, you know, there's off-ball movement, and there's like your first touch, and you know, maybe they're scanning and these are all like kind of separate things and we don't credit them with being part of the act of the past and the success of the past. Uh, and particularly, I think the data world kind of inherited those weird ways of thinking that soccer has traditionally had and then reflected them back to us with stats that basically credit the passer for the success or failure of the past, regardless of what his teammates are doing off the ball, mostly because data, most of the data that we use can't see what's happening off the ball. And so it just leads to this really weird kind of uh, just weird set of numbers and weird way of thinking where uh, passers do all the passing work and, you know, it, it's not soccer in my, my estimation. Yeah. Uh, so something that you point out early in the piece that I thought was super interesting is that there is kind of a metric that does take into account pass reception. And it's a metric that if you have any familiarity with advanced stats, you probably have already heard of expected goals. I hadn't thought of that as a pass receiving stat, but it kind of is. Can you explain sort of how, how you got to that conclusion? Yeah, so this this is one of those kind of out there theories that my friend Teotl Football, who specializes in out there theories, uh, likes <laughs> that, that XG is essentially a pass receiving stat. And I think I agree with them. I mean, obviously not all shots come from passes received, but most shots do. Uh, and XG doesn't measure things about the shot, right? Like after the ball leaves the shooter's foot, XG doesn't care. XG cares whether a shot happens or not, but really it's a measure of the possessions value uh, before that. And so it's a measure of, you know, are you getting invaluable positions and how do you get invaluable positions? Well, you do all those skills that we just talked about, all those things that go into 
being a good pass receiver. So when you have high XG, it's not because you're a good shooter, even though we think of XG as a shooting stat, it's because you're a good pass receiver. And what we found, you know, kind of the main finding of analytics in the last decade has been that's the skill that distinguishes really good forwards from not so good ones. Right. Uh, you go through a couple sort of efforts to to introduce pass receiving analytics, uh, or at least a couple different models, I should say, uh, for for measuring uh, what it means to be a good pass receiver. One of the one of which is I don't know if this is supposed to be pronounced phonetically or each individual <laughs> letter uh, because it's from Belgium. I want to read it as vape, <laughs> uh, but I, it's spelled but it's spelled V A E P. Uh, it's funny. Vape would be vape. it would be. I mean, vape would be a very uh, sort of Belgian spelling for that particular uh, phonetic pronunciation. But uh, can you explain sort of the the background behind VAEP or vape and uh, sort of how, how it measures pass yeah. reception? Yeah, sure. So XG measures the chance that a possession will score at the moment that a shot is taken, right? Uh, but you can also measure the chance that a possession will score at any other earlier point in the possession using kind of similar but generally more complicated methods. And Vape, uh, you know, uses a, a machine learning algorithm. It uses some kind of uh, context about the possession, how the ball got to where it was, kind of what's going on in the possession so far to estimate goal probabilities at each point. And so if I pass the ball from, you know, the halfway line to, say, a winger who's all the way into the final third, I may have just improved my team's scoring probability from, like, 1.5% at the halfway line to like maybe 5% when it gets up the wing, right? And so that increase in scoring probabilities, that 3.5% is is now a value that we've added to, to our team with this action that we've taken. Uh, and so when, when Vape first came out in 2018, 2019, it was one of the first of this kind of new wave of really advanced event data possession value models. It fell victim to kind of that that way of thinking where the passer gets that whole 3.5% for passing the ball up the wing. And, you know, after after some thinking about it, everybody was like, well, you know, the winger actually added a lot of value to that play as well. And maybe the whole 3.5% increase here wasn't just one guy kicking the ball into space, right? Yeah. Uh, and so I talked about something called Atomic Vape, which was version 2.0 of Vape. Uh, yeah. where they, they sort of split the, the, that 3.5%, you know, they split that increase between the passer and the, the receiver. And the article explains how, and it's complicated, but that's all it's doing is trying to share that increase in goal probability between the guy who's making the run and the guy who's playing the ball. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. The the analogy you used in the piece, which I thought was really helpful to think about for, you know, the majority of our audience is American. So if you think about passing yards in American football, uh, both the both the wide receiver and the quarterback gets get credit for the same amount of passing yards. This is similar to that, except the values are not the same for the quarterback and the receiver. It would be almost as if you're assigning, uh, you know, different values for the same amount of yards to the quarterback and receiver. Would that be? Yeah, right? it's, it's, would, sort, it's sort of like like imagine the quarterback throws a forty yard pass, right? And then we say, sure. well, actually, 
you know, the, the quarterback's going to get 20 of those yards and the receiver's going to get 20 of those yards. And we have an algorithm uh, that's going to decide how many yards go to the receiver and how many yards go to the quarterback. And American football, I, I don't know, maybe they do that in advanced analytics. I have no idea what's going they on. They might. Uh, or, or like something that, that would say that like, if the quarterback had like amazing protection and all day to throw the ball, so he didn't have to do much while the wide receiver had to run some really complicated route and catch it in triple coverage or something, maybe the wide receiver gets 30 of those yards and the quarterback gets 10. That's right. And, and if you had really good information about, you know, how much time the quarterback had, what his passing lanes looked like, how crisp the receiver's route was, you know, sure. maybe, maybe you could decide who deserves more and who deserves less. And we don't really have that in soccer. So vape is kind of, experimental i call it in the article it's, it's an experimental accounting method of like using the very limited information that event data has how can we kind of fairly distribute this this credit uh but then the second part of the piece talks about stuff that we can do with spatial data with tracking data uh and there we really do know you know kind of what the receiver is doing off the ball and have a better idea of how the receiver is creating value independent of the passer whether or not the ball goes his way well everybody that wants to read much more on the subject can check out the article, which will be linked in the show's description pretty much wherever you're listening. Um, but I want to move on to sort of a concrete example of the types of things that you're talking about. And it relates to the transfer window as well with uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang moving from Arsenal to Barcelona. Uh, you wrote a piece, huh? I said we're topical now. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, you wrote a piece that sort of broke down that move and why it's interesting and how Aubameyang could fit in uh, Xavi's Barcelona. Interestingly, it starts with a quote that Xavi had from years ago talking about how <laughs> Aubameyang would absolutely not fit with Barcelona. Uh, that apparently has changed. Uh, what did you find in the course of researching this piece and how would his you know, past receiving ability, uh, how is it significant uh, in this move? I think that Javi quote that opens the piece is really about pass receiving because what he says yeah. is that Aubameyang can kill you in open space, but Barcelona needs players who can combine in small spaces. And that was certainly true, you know, when Javi was playing for Barcelona and it was true to a lesser extent two years ago when he said this about Aubameyang, but now Barcelona looks very different. And now apparently Javi thinks that Aubameyang is the best fit that he can get for his money. Uh, and, and so the question, which might is, be true, by the way, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it may be, uh, certainly if, if Arsenal's chipping in to pay the wage bill, but the yeah. question is, you know, is he the type of pass receiver who's going to help this team? I think that's basically the fundamental question that this article explored, uh, you know, does he still have the pace to make the runs over the top that have made him a 20 goal scorer for most of his career? And if he doesn't, you know, does he have other skills that he can contribute to Barcelona that makes sense with the way that they play? Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see if he actually does, but, uh, we can spare some of the, some of the details for the actual story itself, which will also be linked in the description. We got a two linker today. Pretty good. Uh, John, this, these conversations are always super enlightening. Good way to start off a Monday. Thank you for coming on soccer every day. Thanks for having me. Elsewhere in soccer news, IX Director of Football Mark Overmars has left the club over a, quote, series of inappropriate messages sent to several female colleagues. That quote is from a statement the club released over the weekend. Overmars has been in that position with IX since 2012. 
And finally, a wrap-up of some MLS deals that are soon to be completed or have been reported from multiple sources. Uh, the Chicago Fire are negotiating with Zerdan Shakiri. The New England Revolution will reportedly be signing uh, Josie Altador from Toronto FC. And most recently, The Athletic is reporting that DC United is in talks with Carlos Tevez, of all people. One source familiar with the talks said that the chances of the deal being reached with Tevez and DC United is at about 25% and largely dependent on whether financial terms can be worked out. Tevez, of course, recently turned 38 years old. You can read more about all those deals on The Athletic. This show, Soccer Every Day, is produced by Mike Zimmerman with help from John Hayes. You can get ad-free versions of the show by subscribing to The Athletic, and you can get 33% off a year subscription by going to theathletic.com slash soccer every day. Thank you so much for listening. Happy soccer to you all. Let's have a good week. <laughs>